and welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 146. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we are discussing Enterprise's fourth season episodes, Affliction, Divergence, and Bound. And we're going to discuss Affliction and Divergence uh, as one episode. Here we go. Affliction, Season 4, Episode 15, Production Number 415, Original Air Date, February 18th, 2005, Directed by Michael Grossman, Story by Manny Cotto, Teleplay by Mike Sussman, Music Composed by Velton Ray Bunch, Divergence, Season 4, Episode 16, Production Number 416. Original air date, February 25th, 2005. Directed by David Barrett. Written by Judith Reeves-Stevens and Garfield Reeves-Stevens. Music composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include John Shuck as Antac, James Avery as General Kabog, Ada Maris as Captain Erica Hernandez, Eric Pierpoint as Harris, Terrell Tilford as Marab, Kate McNeil as Commander Collins, Derek Magyar as Commander Kelby, Seth McFarlane as Ensign Rivers, Kristen Bauer as Lieutenant Lyneth and Wayne Grace as Fleet Admiral Krell. Enterprise returns to Earth in time for the launch of the second NX-class starship, Columbia, and Commander Tucker prepares for his transfer. Meanwhile, Ensign Sato and Dr. Phlox are attacked in San Francisco, and Phlox is kidnapped. Captain Archer and Lieutenant Reed investigate the scene, and Reed is given a secret assignment by a secretive agent that he seems to know. Commander DePaul, seeking information from Sato, conducts her first mind meld, and the two realize that the attackers spoke Regalian. Phlox is taken to Kavat, a Klingon colony where General Kavat and Dr. Antak seek his help for a cure for a Klingon plague. Phlox determines that the plague has been supplemented with Dr. Soon's genetically augmented human DNA. How did modified human genes find their way into this virus? Is that really such a surprise, Doctor? It only took two human augments to commandeer a bird of prey and murder its entire crew. The Empire could not allow an inferior species to gain an advantage on us. Imagine every Starfleet vessel manned with genetically engineered humans. Steve, why don't you kick us off on affliction and divergence? All right. Um, yeah, I definitely remember these because the big story was we're going to get an explanation as to why Klingons look different in the original series um, compared to all the others. I don't remember how long ago we discussed this in the past. It may have been right after they aired, but I do, I do remember you saying this is, these were episodes we don't need. <laughs> you know, but, And I, I think the notion being that if the sole purpose of these episodes are to explain why they made the makeup choice they did in the original series for Klingons, then it's kind of pointless. I do think... I do think, uh, like, if you take them as kind of action-oriented episodes, I think they're well-paced. I think they're fairly entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, it is fun from kind of a, a, a Trekker standpoint in the whole canon to get the Klingon angle to also get that um, the whole Section Thirty-One bit, as well as um, the the references to other um, to other episodes, well, mostly within this season, but within this series. So it's I like the continuity elements. That that's that's fun. And like I said, I think I think they're well paced. And so I, on the whole, I, I find them entertaining. Um, but yeah, that's yeah. My general impression. You know, it, it's not like it really isn't necessary. I mean, I don't remember a, uh, an episode or a movie that explained why. Savick went from looking like Christy Alley. To <laughs> <laughs> That'd be interesting. <laughs> yeah. 
It's a virus. It's changed the way she looks. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it's not like it's necessary. You know, the, I mean, there is a little bit. Um, there is a little bit uh, when when you uh, of logic. If you look back on the DS9 episode, um, trials and tribulations, right? The 30th anniversary uh, episode, where you you know they had Worf <laughs> looking at the other Klingons and. He had to. He commented on it, yeah. you know. And it, the way they did it, of course, was the classiest way. It was just kind of a funny little throwaway. What did he say? Something, something like, "We don't talk about it" or something. Right. Right. Um, uh, but you know, I guess if you're a purist, maybe you wanted some kind of real explanation. Um, the real explanation, really real, <laughs> would just be that in the original series, they didn't have any money, and you know, they they added the uh, the real makeup. Uh, in the first movie when they had lots and lots of money. Um, but, you know, I remember at the time thinking, being a little hard on these episodes and thinking of them too much about this and thinking, nobody asked for this. We don't really need this. You know, this is a waste of, of time. Um, but, you know, watching them now, these are better episodes than I gave them credit for back then, I think. Um, and I, I totally agree with you, Steve. I think they are very well paced. Uh, there's maybe a couple of scenes that are that are thrown in there just to just to pad the essentially 90 minute running time. Um, but I, I think that overall they are pretty well paced, and the action's pretty darn good. We even get some of the effects are really good. We even like a clearly 1080p Enterprise beautiful shot like near the beginning when it's flying um what's that it's flying near columbia i think columbia is like in dry dock or something um you know so there's you know obviously we have the fun section 31 uh references uh so there's uh, certainly something else i guess you're getting at steve you know there is a lot in here for um star trek you know, history, fun, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam, what are, what are some of your first thoughts? Um, well, I enjoyed the episodes when they came out originally. I enjoyed them now. Um, I mean, what you know, it's Klingons. It's great. You know, everybody loves Klingons if you're a Trek fan. So, I mean, you know, what else were they really going to do? I mean, you could have, I mean, I, I like the idea of, like, I, I enjoyed the idea of, like, um, I thought it was a creative way to kind of go back and like okay this is what happened and that it was kind of creative to kind of mix in the human dna sequencing stuff from soon earlier on in the season and um kind of bring it into mm-hmm. this and their explanations about it were like you know well we have to compete you know we have to defend ourselves and that was a good klingon way so i didn't feel feel like um i didn't feel like it then i didn't feel like it now that it was something that was that we didn't need i enjoyed it um i felt like this is where Enterprise should have been two, three seasons ago. They should have been telling these stories about these original stories, these original interactions with um, Klingons, Romulans, um, you know, and all the different species. Um, so I, I, I think it was good. I, I thought it was good from a fandom point of view. I thought it was good storytelling. It was good, pretty well a good pace. I think the only time that I was like, eh, is like I, or when Archer and Reed were having their little bouts. <laughs> Um, it was a little bit overacting, but I mean, I guess you could say that that's an homage to the original series too. But um, yeah, overall, I thought they were good. 
Yeah, well, let's talk about that for a little bit. Um, um, Reed concealing, well, he does a lot. Flat out, he lies about the, uh, the when, when he can clearly tell that it's Klingon weapon fire, destroy the Red Jellion ship. Uh, he, so he flat out lies about that. He erased the data recorder or something, like the black box or something, right? Um, you know, he, he's doing... He's lying to his captain. Uh, Convert. Convert. In, in service of, yeah, Section 31. All just because Harris, you know, says to do this. Um, I, I'm sure that they gave this to Reed just because he is such a such a rule follower, goody two shoesy kind of, you know, that, that that is an interesting, you know, somebody else maybe would have had an easier time saying, you know, screw you, Section 31, here's the situation. Captain Archer, um, but but even even with Reed, a couple of times it's a tough. I, I think they sell it. I think they sell it. Um, maybe it's just like one too many scenes or something. I don't know. It's. I feel like he would have. He, he does clearly choose sides with Archer when Archer says you need to choose sides now. Um, but I feel like maybe he would have made that choice a little bit sooner. Maybe I don't know. Right. Um, but what did you guys think about that whole that that back and forth? What did you think about Reed's? Did, did that seem true to Reed's character? What we saw here? Um, I would kind of. I think I would agree with you. I think they might have taken you know the scenes where Archer is kind of dressing him down and going through that whole notion one too many times. I think the second time around when he came into the the cell and was you know basically dressing him down and you know kind of like. I don't know, guilting him into trying to talk to him. I think I could have gone without that one. I, I don't know if they, it was just the performances weren't that great in those. Who did you I, think were weak? Both of them? Um, yeah, I think they were both kind of weak. I, I, this the performances weren't great. I don't know if it was the writing. I just I felt Bacula was just a little bit over the top. I don't know. It just kind of it didn't feel quite right with me. I don't know if it was just a directional decision or just how they put it together. I don't I have a I problem. Kinda, I think right. I kind of liked Reed's performance there a little bit, maybe. Okay. But. I think I think that uh, for me, I think the the performances were fine and true to their characters. I do agree that it was one too many times, at least one too many times, going back to it because it's just at some point. I mean, what I mean, I don't know in what sequence they shot these scenes, you know, or whatever, but you know, you just how many times do we have to have a face off between the two? And they probably at some point just get fed up with it. I mean, how many different ways are we going to play this? Where, where are we now with this? Okay, he's mad, you know, you know this kind of thing. So, um, to me, I think if they would have, like, cut back at least one instance of that kind of thing would have been better. And maybe they could have used that time to give a little more background as a little more meat in terms of what brought Reed to make this choice, how he was approached, some kind of history. I don't know, something character wise with that. It might've been, you know, him confiding in Archer that to kind of solidify their relationship or something. But, um, but yeah, I think, I do think that they, they just kind of pounded into the ground a little bit much, you know? So, so, you know, I kind of have, you know, I'd like the storyline, but I mean, you know, I kind of feel like the section 31 stuff was just kind of thrown in. Um, I don't know if it was even really necessary to the story. I mean, maybe, but that's what I, you know, you guys were talking about, like, you know, this, the whole Klingon thing was just kind of thrown in, you know, this maybe, you know, explaining the ridges and all that kind of stuff wasn't necessary. I kind of think throwing section 31 into this, was maybe not necessary, but. 
Well, I agree that it it wasn't sent the Klingon story in any way, um, but it really feels like it was there so that they would have this drama with Reed. Um, you know, which, like I said, I I think that it I think they sell it well enough. I think it works. There were just a couple of times when you know maybe you're you're calling attention to it a little bit too much. I don't know. Like there was this, there was a scene between Reed and uh boy, I don't know his name. The 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 Klingon that was in the brick with him. Mm-hmm. There were like a there were like two scenes with the two of them. Um, you know, and one of them was redundant. You know, mm-hmm. if it's if it's Reed starting to plant plant a seed in that Klingon's head, so that later. Uh, uh, when Archer asks for his help to find the to find exactly where in that Klingon colony flocks would be, um, well, okay, that makes sense. Um, but I didn't need two scenes to set up that up. Um, and on that same note, actually, I was a little bit confused ex- as far as exactly why, like you know, Archer says, you know, to that Klingon in sickbay at that point, um, help us find flocks and save lo- how is that from that Klingon's point of view how is finding flocks helping to save Klingon lives if he thinks flocks is there working on the cure wouldn't sending wouldn't telling Archer and the Enterprise where to find him be a possible disruption to that activity right I see what you're saying that's that's yeah. kind of one of the holes I think I think it's uh, I think the whole I don't want to say it's necessarily a plot hole, but I do think there is a lot of confusion surrounding the, the some of that. With uh, I mean, on the on the on the surface, I get the point. You know that we have the we have the um, in, enhancements, and what's he working on? Is he working on a cure? Is he working on enhancing it? And oh, there's a little bit of a ruse going on, but it, I don't know that that's really laid out well enough. You know, I think it's just kind of you just kind of play along with it. Okay, all right, so he's doing this, but they expect him to do this, but I don't think it's very clear some of that. Yeah, the, another another thing that was kind of a little ambiguous to me. So the relationship between Flox and the Klingon Doctor. Mm-hmm. It was kind of, it was a little disconjointed to me, you know. On one hand, this guy, the Klingon doctor, I can't remember the character's name. Um, he kind of comes off as despicable. Antac, yeah, Antac, like Antac, yeah, he kind of comes off as despicable, and then later on, you're like, oh, then you kind of like, you kind of feel for him. It's just kind of like a, it's kind of weird, you know. It's like, oh, we're gonna kill this patient so you can, you know, dissect him. There's that, and like, oh, we, it, it was kind of strange. You, I think early on he was kind of the character seemed kind of cold and kind of like a bad bad guy, but then later yeah, on, but I kind of like that transformation. You know, well, it's not he didn't transform. My view of him did, and that's more interesting. You know, when you can have this character who who is certainly um, strong with his convictions, I suppose, um, but you he can win me over. You know that that was kind of interesting narratively. I kind of liked a, a couple of those scenes between him and Flocks. You know, he's telling him about was it his father disowned him when he didn't become a warrior or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's got a couple more history bits. And then also, you know, he has the scene where he explains, you know, how this all happened. He didn't what was it he was he was in adding the DNA augmented DNA to Klingons or something. He didn't realize one of them had. I don't know, a cold or something, and then that mutated, and that's what caused all this, so that he, he felt responsible for everything. You know, I mean, that, I felt a little weight when he said that, you know. Um, for a 
guest star uh, who almost who really isn't even you know he's not like the featured performer. He's still all our main people. He's more of a co-star. He's not you know it's not like an episode mm-hmm. that revolves around him. For somebody like that, I thought he was. I thought he was pretty good, actually. I mean, John Shuck's an amazing actor, of course, but um, I thought the character was actually uh, compelling uh, enough and and more than I would have expected given the size of the character in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, uh, the other Klingon down there, the the uh, the general. The Beverly Hills. What's this? Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember his name. James Avery. Right. Um, I thought he did. He did well enough. His his character even had a tiny bit more. Um, you know, we see like apparently he's the he's he has a son, and his son is the one that Enterprise captures. He thinks his son is dead for a little bit. You know, he offers himself up uh, to possibly die. To find this cure, and I like a little bit where he drinks uh, blood wine. But we have a couple of scenes away from everybody else where he's with the augmented Klingons or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he has a line something like um, "As long as I live and breathe," or something like that. Uh, the the uh, Empire will not turn its back on you. You know, I thought his character was was okay as well. Um, I would probably criticize a little bit the. Klingons that he's talking to, I thought all the young Klingons were entirely forgettable. Even the the one on Enterprise, mm-hmm. there wasn't much to him. Um, some of that's performance, but I don't know. Maybe some of it's writing too. I'm not sure. Yeah, they didn't delve too much into it with the with those characters. But it seems like they wanted me to feel something for them, like that that girl that he's talking with, the female augmented Klingon. You know, she talks about, I mean, she's saying what should be weighty stuff, like maybe we're better off dead, basically, you know, yeah. but I, when she said it, I didn't really care. I thought, well, I mean, if you were well, dead, they, maybe they'd go to the next scene. <laughs> well, they didn't start, they didn't really start off on the right foot because they actually lied to him. You know, they said they destroyed Enterprise and then his son was dead. And was I don't think him. she was consciously lying when she said that. I think she was thinking we, we set that thing up and it's, it, it has blown up by now, you know? Speaking of which, the way Enterprise saves himself, uh, Columbia flipping upside down, and that—I mean—that was actually a an enjoyable enough F- VFX sequence. If I if I thought about what was going on, it was a little bit silly. Like um, Reed is the only one who could push that little button to shoot the. <laughs> you got to so let Reed out of the brain because he's the button. only one yeah. that can can shoot that that cable right. and even even trip you're like well c- couldn't he just you know facetime with them and explain what to do <laughs> it has to be him i don't know uh, well i like to like he actually had to like climb the whole rope isn't there like some sort of pulley system yeah that could just like take him up really quick but yeah that thing starts to give and i'm thinking release the tether on the other end you see what and <laughs> there's something come on now um but you know if you if you it, it's just interesting and exciting enough that I that I pretty much forgot about these things and I enjoyed it and I did, and then you know Trip goes in and he has that fun sequence where he, you know, initializing the Matrix and I think he turns into Neo or something, <laughs> but that was a fun little sequence actually him running around you know so um, it was worth it I, I enjoyed that I did. Um, the trip to Paul stuff and the daydreams and the bit too. 
Yeah. What do you think of that? Um, so they've got some kind of shared thing, even across what I assume is pretty vast reach of space. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, obviously it's a little vague, the uh, science behind Vulcan yeah, that kind of stuff. But and Sato's involved. They didn't go anywhere with that. <laughs> that was a, that was a funny scene. She's like, I had this dream about Chip, and <laughs> it's kind of sexual. <laughs> <laughs> so Paul just changed the subject. <laughs> yeah, hmm, that's strange or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. It's you know, I don't I don't recall enough of the details on the next episodes we're going to review, or not the next episodes, but the uh, the two parter that that comes right before the finale, but obviously there's a lot of trip to Paul stuff there. I don't know how much of that there's a payoff there. Obviously we get a little bit of a payoff in the standalone episode review later in terms of their relationship. But um yeah, so there's I think it kind of continues the theme. There are some things in this two parter that's that feel like they're just trying to kill some time. You know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's what I would probably say about that that VFX sequence I was just talking about. Uh with Columbia, even um, trip running around engineering and the whole like, the, the, why do they even send them out to disable Enterprise? How do they? I don't know. I guess it, Section Thirty One Harris told them they were coming, and then they went out. But then why would they try to destroy it if it was? I mean, Harris wouldn't want that. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, kind of convoluted. But, yeah, but it moves along well. The mm-hmm. action sequences are exciting. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of fun references to Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, not just the obvious stuff like the ridges um, or Section Thirty One. I mean, there's stuff like Rigelians. You know, I mean, there's a ton of stuff all over the place. Also, this might be the only time in my notes where I have just a, a line with two words. I wrote Archer rides. Hmm. When he's getting the shot and he's getting little ridges real quick. Mm-hmm. That must have been I pretty ride. intense, yeah. Yeah, Archer rides, which I've never ridden before. Put those words together anyway. <laughs> so that was fun. Um, also, yeah, okay, last silly comment. Flocks, you know, the, the, the Klingon vessels are firing on the colony. Enterprise and Columbia are trying to stop them. Flocks is hurriedly trying to find a cure... And then once he does, he infects the Klingon ship and says, hey, you can destroy us, but then you're not going to get the cure and you're not infected. Why couldn't he have just infected them while he was still working to save everybody fighting? Because wouldn't their answer still have been, all right, you need a few more minutes, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, that, yep, that makes sense. Yeah, okay. They had to disable the shields. They didn't, they didn't say that in the episode. Mm. It's just assumed, Brian. Ah, uh, okay. That make that would see that would make sense. But of course, nobody down <laughs> there, there was firing up there, so they down there wouldn't. They didn't tell anybody else they had this plan and needed the shields down. Or, or we, we we missed that scene where the Klingons on the planet tell them how to modulate through their shields to beam something up. So all right, got it. Okay, <laughs> guys, what's this episode? What are these episodes about? I, I and honestly, I think it, it was very fair for us to discuss these as one. I mean, they really are one storyline. Um, I don't think they actually said, did they, they say to be, to be continued? I don't think they did. 
Hmm. Um, I don't remember. I could be wrong about that. But these are these are pretty solid, solidly, you know, one ninety-minute show, and that's saying something, by the way. Um, to talk about the pacing and stuff and say it moves well, you know, Star Trek is still Enterprise. It's still a TV show, uh, and that they can keep it going ninety minutes straight is is that's worthwhile. Anyway, all right. So what are, what are Affliction and Divergence about? Hmm. Well, there's loyalty. I mean, there's a there's a couple things they're trying to say in here. You know, you could. I don't know if it's loyalty for you know the the trip to Paul's storyline. I don't know if it's like loyalty that trip comes back, but he comes to realization of who he is and where he belongs. You know, and you know he kind of comes comes together. It's not really in these episodes. Oh, right. That's, Isn't that in Bound really? Where he stays? Well, yeah, that he stays on Enterprise. My bad. Mm-hmm. That's okay. They all kind of run. They all kind of run together. Mm-hmm. There are certainly loyalty issues then with Reed and, and such, sure. though. That's for sure. Yeah. And I, uh, the whole bit with the Klingons. I mean, there, you know, there's this vibe of um, you know going going down a path and repercussions and you know the the consequences of of you know kind of messing with stuff that you can't fully control. But I don't know. There's a single set of themes or something that we can tie it all together with. I, I think I think these might be one of the these two episodes together might be an example of the t- that type of action it, it's more of the action type episode the the pacing entertaining kind of episode that might have that might be kind of weak in the department of what it's about in my opinion but um there are certain certain themes though we certainly that are touched on I just don't know if there's some kind of central big thing yeah, what they're trying—I don't think. Yeah, there's not a specific thing of they're trying to convey a certain message in these episodes. I like, I like some of the concept. There's some consequences for people's actions, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that um, Antac, um, John Chuck's Klingon doctor, you know, he feels responsible for having caused all this, but he's he's willing to die to fix it mm-hmm. um, but he just loses his ridges but you know very Klingon that's still uh, kind of uncool <laughs> right <laughs> which apparently by you know Kirk's time um, those Klingons are now just as cool as all the other Klingons mm-hmm. definitely um, and between Kirk's time and DS9 time they must have gotten better at Getting rid of the. They bred it out. Well, no, I'm talking. We have Klingons that are in the original series. The same Klingons are in DS9. Oh, I got you. Gotcha. And saying. they uh, they fixed their ridges. Right? Cosmetic surgery, right? Isn't that what the doctor was going into? So maybe it's just they decide to do it. It's something that you do when you're an older person. <laughs> the youngins are proud of their. It's a it's a fashion thing, you know, yeah. like ta- okay. tattoos or sure. you know, things or something. sure, yeah. All right. So we like these episodes, though. It sounds like all three of us like them. Adam maybe likes them the most. Let's do six degrees for affliction divergence. Um, Adam, are you going first or second? Um, I'll go first. All right, guys. I'm. I got several uh, character name questions today. All right. Um, Adam, 
Eric Pierpoint plays Harris, the Section 31 guy with the cool black clothes. In DS9's fifth season, he played Captain Sanders in the episode For the Uniform. This is the episode where Cisco finally catches Witch McKee Commander. Oh, what is his name? Um, it's like on the tip of my tongue. Um, Our listeners are screaming into their car radio. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> I can tell you the lay, the, the lay Miz character, he, he refers to himself as. <laughs> I almost um, asked that, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Um, go ahead, Steve, because I'm gonna sit here. And- <sighs> I, I'm racking my brain too. Oh no! Yeah, it, it's it's on the tip easy of- name compared to the other ones. I got much harder names oh, later. Good, well, <laughs> super. It, it really feels like it's just ready to come right out, but it's just not. Yeah, it's not coming out. I, I'm gonna feel dumb when you say <sighs> it. It's not happening. Eddington. Yeah. And yeah. There we go. <laughs> All right, uh, Eddington. Uh, Steve. Yeah. John Shuck plays the Klingon Doctor and Tech the creator of the Klingon Augment Virus. Shuck played a different Klingon, Ambassador Kamarag, in which two Star Trek features. Hmm. Okay. Well, how about... I'll give you, I'll give you a quote. Starfleet regulations. That's outrageous. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds just like him, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, mm, three and four? No. Adam? Um, crap. Um, I'll, go, I'll go crazy. How about four and six? You got it. Four and six? <laughs> yeah, he's at the beginning of four. Of, right, he's at the beginning of four. Okay. Uh, while Kirk and crew are still on Vulcan... He's back there trying to get them to prosecute. Right. Starfleet regulations, that's outrageous. That's the bit where they show the, like, how did they get the footage from Star Trek Three to show on the big screen? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and then Star Trek Six, of course, he's one of the uh, conspirators. All right. So Adam has one. Moving on. Bound, Season 4, Episode 17, Production Number 417, Original Air Date, April 15th, 2005, Directed by Alan Croker, Written by Manny Cotto, Music Composed by Jay Chataway, Guest Cast Include William Lucking as Harad Sar, Sia Batten as Navar, Derek Magyar as Commander Kelby, Crystal Allen as Dinesh, and Menina Fortunato as Maras. <laughs> Enterprise is en route to the Bengaria system, one of the proposed locations for a Starfleet starbase. When it is approached by an Orion Syndicate vessel, Captain Archer is invited to visit the Orion ship by its captain, Harard Sar. During the visit, Archer and Lieutenant Reed are entertained by three Orion dancers. Archer negotiates with Harad Sard and they agree on a joint mezzanite mining operation, and the three slaves are given to him. They return to Enterprise with the slaves and set a course to survey the planet. En route, the presence of the Orions begin having an effect on the crew. Men become increasingly aggressive, while women increasingly suffer from headaches. It's a highly potent pheromone. When exposed to human males, it accelerates the metabolism, causing aggression and ultimately a form of delusion. The Orions? Hmm. Women aboard the ship have also been affected. I've received an increasing number of complaints about headaches and listlessness. 
I suspect the pheromone acts as a defense mechanism against competition. Let's see. Who's, uh, Steve started the last one. Uh, Adam, why don't you start us on Bound? Bound. Um, I thought it was a pretty good episode. I wouldn't say it was one of the, the best episodes. I give it maybe just an above average. I enjoyed it because it had it definitely had like an original series feel to it. You know, the Orion, the Orion girls, the green girls, the dancing, especially the first, you know, you know, several minutes of the episode where um, Archer and um, Reed go over there. It's definitely, you know, you have that feel of an original series episode with Kirk, McCoy, and Spock. I think they were actually like dancing for about 33 minutes. I think I <laughs> uh, Continue. Oh, so, yeah, um, it was entertaining, um, it, but it definitely felt like an original series episode to me. Um, and I'm guessing that's kind of what they were going for. Maybe just kind of a little homage to, you know, Orion's, um, the Orion Slave Girls, um, that sort of thing. Um, overall, I think I was entertained by the episode. I liked it. Yeah, I mean, I think I wouldn't be surprised if their whole goal was to let's make an episode that's that feels like the original series because not only the references you know to different there's a variety of references here but there's it's almost like they're just lifting elements out it's like let's do this thing ranging from you know okay the orions in general the um three women coming on board everyone acting reminds me of mud's women uh you have the ending mm-hmm. that feels like you know or at least the part where before the uh coda with uh Paul and Trip, you have them all laughing in the sick bay. That definitely felt like an original series sure. ending. It's like they're just trying. They're trying to sure. do it, you know. So I mean, I think there's a lot of silliness here, and I'm not sure if it's appropriate for Enterprise. But as a standalone episode, if that's the experiment they were trying, that's fun, you know. So that's kind of my thought on it. I think my my potential questions here. Uh, so yeah, it does feel like they're trying that they're doing some of these things, and you know, well, obviously they're not lifting original series thing flat out but mm-hmm. you can imagine if you did certain scenes from the original series word for word in a modern show it would probably come off so well mm-hmm. right? um, it would feel a little cheesy or dated um, I, I feel like Bound it, it works and it is not bad but I feel like the entire episode it's like teetering Mm. It's on this this very 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 thin fence, and it's teetering, and it almost falls into the cheesy, crappy area, but it never does. Mm-hmm. It's close. Yeah, I would agree. So I'm almost like on the edge of my seat, just hoping. No, no, don't. Okay, okay, we're all right. No, wait, but don't. Okay, we're okay. You know, I feel like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like so worried as I'm watching it that it, you know, like there are, almost... there are there are a couple of scenes in this episode that that you know, I didn't want my five-year-old to walk in on right, <laughs> right. you know I, I, like i don't want to explain this you know um what were you about to say uh adam i, I almost felt like um archer should have had his um b uniform on his green you know uniform captain's uniform in that kirk war from time to time <laughs> like he's gonna have in um does he have that on in the defiant or mirror universe one yeah, I think yeah. so. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that you know, in in two weeks, uh, listeners, we're going to be just doing uh, in a mirror darkly one and two, so we're not going to be doing three episodes, just those two. But you know, those are um, those are much more literal um, 
homages, I guess, to the original series. Um, so I, I think this episode works. And for the most part, I enjoyed watching it. Um, even their, their little dance, again, it's, it's like borderline cheesy, but it never really is. Mm-hmm. It actually seems decently choreographed for, you know, an enterprise dance routine with three green women. Um, I do remember, actually, I, I haven't watched it in a few years, and we're going to be watching it soonish, but I remember that scene in Menagerie Cage. Um, and I remember that, that dance seeming like it goes on forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I, didn't, I didn't mind it when I was younger. Um, <laughs> uh, sure you won't mind it when you're older either, Brian. That's probably true. <laughs> but we'll find out, right? Yeah. Um, hey, I have a, qu- I have a quick question. To... Yeah, go ahead. Um, so d- they knew they were canceled by this point, right? Like writers, everybody, you know, everybody was. Yeah, I think it was our, I mentioned it when we were talking, the episode we were doing, the episode where while they were shooting it, they found out they were canceled. I mentioned they... that already. So that must have been one of the, you know, the last, one of our last couple of podcasts worth of episodes. So okay, yeah, by now they I'm curious, I mean, have you read or heard anything where they, you know, so they knew they were canceled. Did they just, were they, did they feel a little bit freer with these episodes or did they just have a little bit more fun? Honestly, most of these things were pretty well written or or at least stored. The only thing I think that changed significantly was the, the very final episode. Okay. Um, I think that was, you know, kind of conceived and written hastily after they found out they were done. Um, but most of these things I think were pretty well pretty well said. Okay. Writing wise. Um, yeah, I mean, at least certainly the stories and things were certainly this one would have been, I know, I know enterprise more than any other Star Trek show. They were, you know, changing pages up until the last possible minute. Um, but you know, you had to, you had to construct um, you know, the Orion sense. set days ahead of time. You had to design their the costumes. ships and all that. Yeah. Um, yeah, we didn't find out what that ship that, that he um, that he wants to that Archer wants to fire on the little ship that fires at them and just pings off the. We didn't know there was nothing else about that little ship, huh? No, that's true. No. Well. Don't know who it was or anything like that. Because at first they thought, well, maybe the Orions sent them there because they wanted them to have a confrontation, but then nothing came of it. So I guess that wasn't it. I mean, it's it's a perfectly valid uh, reason that he's just trying, or they, I guess, apparently the women are just trying to, um, I don't know, collect whatever kind of bounty bounty might be on um, Archer's head. Right. It, it is a fun, I suppose, revelation that it's actually the women that are in charge. Although I don't know how much it really changes anything but it was you know that was mm-hmm. fun you know it 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 it's like it almost tries to wipe out tiny tiny bit of the um i don't know sexism or misogyny of the episode mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe um but you know it's it's easy to enjoy any episode where to paul has to remind archer that 
Starfleet doesn't condone slavery. There's something fun about that. Actually, this episode overall reminds us, and or I should say proves once again, and if we already didn't know with certainty, we certainly do now, T'Pol is the funniest person <laughs> on the ship. Mm-hmm. And they should do stand-up comedy instead of the uh, movie nights, and Paul would be <laughs> performer. She almost she could just get up there and look at people, and it would probably be funnier. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, great job just with her facial expressions. I think that's where most of it comes from, just, her, just the subtlety and, and her looks and just kind of movements of her, of her face are, are, are classic. Yeah, well, that, that scene that, that you referenced earlier, Steve, where... You know, everybody's laughing in sick bay. That was they're laughing because T'Pol makes a joke. Everybody knows she's making a joke. She knows she's yeah. she knows she's making a joke. She knows that's a joke. I'm telling you. Um, we do get a little bit of little bit of closure, or maybe it's an opening, depending on how you look at it, uh, to the trip to Paul bits um, to that storyline. That was a, that was a good scene. That was good. You know, he's just kind of messing with her a little bit. Yeah, yeah and she's got she's got great facial expressions. And as he wanted to come back, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, their 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 uh, relationship and that whole arc is one of the highlights of the series for sure. I mean, a lot of it's you know, to the a- actors' credit, I think. Yeah, you know, I remember I wasn't one of them, but I remember some people kind of that didn't seem to get at the time that didn't enjoy. The two of them, and certainly the actors. It seems like one or the other. I forget. Maybe it was Jolene. I don't remember. But it seems like I've heard the actors say that they didn't really get it. Um, but I don't know. I've always thought it. I've always thought it works. I've always thought they're a really interesting pair. And you know, and I feel a great deal of chemistry between them whenever. You know, well, they're they opposites attract. I mean, they're kind yeah. of polar opposites from personality standpoint so it's kind of you know it's that old saying opposites attract and it works between the two of them you know especially in that last scene where last few episodes trips trips been a little bit you know crazy trying to figure out what he what he wants to do and what he doesn't want to do but in this episode and especially in this scene we see trip kind of come back to normal he kind of you know and he says that he's like you know the thing between you and i isn't that big a deal so and you have that good that good back and forth play between them, which is nice. It's a it's a good thing. It works. I mean, and I'm sure you know they probably plan to explore this more in future seasons. But obviously, you know what we just mentioned, the show's canceled, and so they probably had to, you know, they weren't able to continue it. So it would have been interesting to see that if what would have happened if there had been another season. If I recall, we get a pretty significant culmination. In that two-parter with Peter Weller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, what I'm saying is a full season of it. Um, you know, yeah. I mean, mm-hmm, just, yeah. Basically, in this episode, you know, they're kind of like, okay, we're gonna see what you know. We're kind of left with, okay, we're gonna see where this goes. Um, and then you know, obviously, there's only a few episodes left. So, well, if they'd had a whole season, then they would have had to like created the whole, the whole bunch of drama between them. True. Um, actually, that I was kind of wondering in this this episode, Bound, if, for example, if Archer and Reed were on that Orion ship at the beginning, right? If they were gay, <laughs> would yeah. that have broken the whole episode? Or because we don't really find out what the pheromones do. We we know what they do to men. We know what they do to women. Um, but it's kind of implied. This is what they do to straight men and women. So I'm kind of wondering if Archer and Reed were gay, um, 
maybe nothing would have happened. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought, but, I th- yeah. Maybe they'll explore that in the new series coming out next. Week. <laughs> I kind of mm-hmm. thought of this as a win. I was thinking eh, it's kind of disappointing that they, you know, they didn't have to like if they if they didn't want to get into it big time, but they kind of just they do make those assumptions. It's kind of like this men, women, and so you know it's all this straight assumptions that everyone's straight in a way or something. Mm-hmm. You know, no one ever mm-hmm. says, you know, people attracted to them. I don't know how they would have said it, but whatever. You know, yeah, yeah. What's this episode about, guys? Come on, we're only two podcasts away from finishing out Enterprise. Don't fail me now. Don't give up. It's still about something. <laughs> well, there's a little bit of things are not what they seem. They obviously have the twist with the, uh, you know, everyone's fooled. Okay, they're on, they're on board, and turns out they're doing something deceptive and evil. And then it turns out that. Uh, women are in control with the Orions and, um, you know, this kind of uh, don't take things at face value notion a little bit. Um, I don't know. Sex will make you crazy. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Does Archer actually have sex with uh, the one girl in that one scene, you think? I, I figure they might have. Well, he was pretty hot and sweaty when he came in. Even Paul's like, are you okay? Because he's all hot and sweaty. So I... Just oh, I thought, thought that was just like the pheromone fever. I mean, could it could, could be. I mean, I think. I mean, I don't know about Kelby and the other chick though. I think that's pretty solid because he was shirtless. I mean, who knows? But although everyone, like, she gets dressed again. I mean, it's, what's a little stupid, of course, is that you feel like okay, something went down, but then she's gonna put all her gear back on. See, my my question is, why do you have a a man? You know, when they're in the brig. Why do you have a male guard guarding them? Oh yeah, no, I I really I don't know. In my brain, I was remembering the episode in that very next scene as one of as like I think it's Tapal talking to Archer. I thought one of them said and replace that male guard. I thought there was something like that, but nope. Mm. Well, I assumed he was maybe gay. that's he's gay. answer. Maybe that yes. was gay. Yes, right. that, there you go. But they and still look, got out. So so ahead of the time, they had a gay character and they didn't even talk. About it. Right. They, they didn't make <laughs> anything up. Yeah, because it's, because it's just a normal, natural thing. So why why make a thing of it? So yeah, there you go. Well, see, so then the next is your question. They still affect gay men because he's they still got out. Oh yeah, you're right. Okay, never they mind. They did no, end we're up talking. getting out. Yeah. So never mind. Everything we just said, forget it. Okay. <laughs> so do we like this episode? You you guys both like this one, right? I did. I I did like it as an homage episode. Um, I, I'm sorry, I don't have so much for what it's about. I'm I'm not quite sure what they're trying to say. I mean, it's nice to kind of kind of have like a not a conclusion with um, um, to Paul and Tucker, but I mean, you know, it's kind of like a, you know things seem calm between them as far as like characters go. They've prog- those two characters have progressed in this episode, so that's a good thing, I think, um, as far as like moving their storylines forward. Mm-hmm. But I mean, as far as like what exactly is this saying? I mean, I think kind of Steve covered it. You know, you know, things aren't always what they seem. Don't always, don't always assume. And I think we've said this before, uh, specifically about this season, but, you know, there was last season as well that kind of, I really think that Enterprise was, I mean, you know, it's, it was canceled, you know, after four seasons, all this kind of stuff. But as we said before, it's kind of a bridge between styles of television. You know, this is, you know, it's, it's approaching the style we're used to. And this season is really indicative of that. There's references Mm -hmm. right and left to past episodes. There's things that wouldn't make sense if you didn't see episodes prior and yeah. we just take it for granted now but they've 
they've snuck that stuff in over the last couple seasons, and it really this is you know Enterprise was a a series that bridged that sure. in television. I think. Well, you know, and just watching, That's you know, one I more could, reason to be excited about the new show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, watching the season, I'm like, I, I want, I could binge watch this whole season. So, you know, I, I don't know how you guys are, but if you watch DS9 or Next Gen, you know, you watch. I don't really feel the need to binge watch those episodes because they're they're more bottled episodes in those two right, right. Those two series. So, you know, you can you can stop. And, you know, you don't feel like you're missing anything. Whereas, I kind of want to watch this whole season straight through, and it's just that's so it's more. This season, to me, it started with last season and this season. It has more of a modern feel of um, how they make television shows today. You know, it's just you know, keep things going. Um, obviously, this episode is a bottle episode, but I mean, you know, we've had, you know, you do, you, I just kind of want to keep going because it's back to back to back to back, and it has a more modern feel to it than what we've seen in any of this, the Star Trek series thus far. Let's do six degrees for bound. Hmm. I believe Adam has one. Uh, Adam, didn't you go first last time? I did. Yeah. Steve, mm-hmm. William Lucking plays Harad Sar, the Orion captain who is apparently not actually in charge. He played one of Kira's old friends in multiple episodes of DS9. Name his character. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I, mean, I, I told can, you, the hard ones yeah. today. I can picture yeah. him. I can picture him. Um,. He, I'll give you a hint. He sounds just like the Orion guy in this episode. <laughs> oh, I'm never going to come up with it. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I, I have no idea what his character's name is. I have a yeah, picture. Doesn't he have actually... like one arm? Doesn't he need like one yep, arm? That's right. Yep, yep, yep. Um, yeah, this, that might have been a little too hard. Although one of our listeners is like, oh, that was easy. And he got it. Uh, Purell. <laughs> yeah. All yeah. right. All right, Adam. Whoops. Of course, my monitor would go to sleep right now. Uh, Sia Batten, Sia, Sia Batten, I don't know how to say her name, plays Navarre, the Orion slave girl that gets along with Archer rather well. In DS9's fourth season, she was the first to play Ducat's illegitimate daughter. Name her. Oh, crap. Um, crap. That's not her name. <laughs> <laughs> what are these I damn... Right on the, but I think he cared for her a little more than that. It's right on the tip of my tongue. Uh, screw me. I don't know. Tie it up, Steve. I'm not going to waste any more time. Right. I'm thinking here. Um, gosh. By the way, Steve and I are drunk. We went out and had a bunch of drinks. <laughs> podcast. It's much At least I did. Steve's usually pretty good. So Steve's drunk. I'm not. Uh, that's a good excuse, though. I'll use it. Let me think. Dang it. Oh, Ziel. Oh, uh, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I like that. <laughs> tied it up. Torres, yeah. Uh, all right. Tied it up. Look at that. One to one. All right, uh, folks. So I mentioned our next podcast is. In a mirror, darkly one and two. That's actually not accurate. Uh, one week from now, we are going to post a special episode where we talk about nothing but the new movie Star Trek Beyond, uh, which is coming out around the time this episode airs. This episode is posting. Um, so if you, you know, I'll I'll give. 
plenty of warnings to remind everybody because it's going to automatically show up in your podcast feed, I'm sure. But obviously, our Star Trek Beyond discussion is going to be spoiler-filled, but I will remind you at the beginning of that episode. So you've got a week to go see the movie, uh, which you should because we all love Star Trek and we want them to keep making it. Um, And then you can listen to our discussion about it. And hopefully we love it um, or really, really hate it. But if we're just indifferent about it, then it'll be a very boring discussion. (laughs) Uh, um, So that's actually what we're going to do one week from now. So that's a little unusual. Uh, And then two weeks after that, we will have our next regular episode where we discuss Intermirror Darkly 1 and 2. And then two weeks after that, we will discuss the final three episodes of Enterprise. And then two weeks after that, Star Trek turns 50 years old, and we start our discussion of Star Trek, the original series. So so it's all very, very exciting. And I'm excited because uh, as we record this, it's actually a couple days before we're posting this episode. And I am heading down to San Diego for the Star Trek Beyond premiere. And I'm very excited about that on Wednesday night. Uh, I'm also going to try and see it at the Barco. I don't know if you guys have seen this Barco Escape format. I'll talk about it uh, um, in the podcast. But I'm going to try and see that before our, before our discussion about Star Trek Beyond so that I can talk about that as well. Uh, so, uh, you know, still exciting summer. Oh, yeah, and of course, um, the convention coming up in Vegas. I'm going to that one. First week of August. I know there's a big uh, convention sort of official or something in um, the beginning of September in New York, maybe something like that. I'm not, I don't think any of us are going to that, but um, that looks exciting too. Uh, anyway, um, I think that kind covers it, right? Uh, let's see. You can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at Trek Companion. Uh, Adam, thank you. Adam has been uh, trying to send out a, a few more tweets. <laughs> well, it's easier. Um, there's, a lot more, there's a lot more Trek news this summer. There's a few yeah, things yeah. going on. So anytime I see something, I just pass it along. So, cool. you guys, anybody out there who wants to share with us on Twitter, please do. We'll, we'll pass any articles or tidbits along that you would like to share. Just um, tag us on at Trek Companion and we'll share it. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash trekcompanion. Um, let's see. And uh, you can leave reviews for us on iTunes. That's That helps people find us. Okay. So uh, thank you, everybody, for spending an hour with us. And we will be back in one week for a Star Trek Beyond blowout. And I'm very excited about that. Extravaganza. An extravaganza. All right. So until next time, take it easy. Bye. See you. I passed it.